Welcome to the CLC podcast. CLC is a Columbus Leadership Campus at Point University located at North Highland Church. CLC exists to equip young leaders and help them unlock their God-given potential through practical ministry training and biblical education. For more information about our school, you can visit our website at clcgeorgia.com. About uh, Pastor Jonathan Criswell preaching this morning. Can we get up for PJ this morning? Love you too. Well, good morning. So this morning, uh, I feel like God has a rhema word for us. That's an on-time, spirit-led word, okay? Um, so I'm not going to do too much introduction, but Joshua had a choice. He said, I can serve the God of this world, or I can serve the Lord. And he said to his people, choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Um, This is off my notes, but this morning I wanted to start by first saying whenever uh, conflict happens, whenever you disagree with someone, that's actually when submission actually begins to step in. When when you disagree with a leader, that's when you actually submit to them by, by choosing to say, you know what, I may not be in line with what you're thinking 100%, but I'm going to follow you as I follow Christ because God's placed you in my life for a reason. And so I'm going to do it. And so in that same train of thought, your character and the fiber of your being, your strength, your tenacity is not proven until you face fire. It's not proven until you go through difficulty. Your, your character is not tested until you go through hard times. Amen? And so this morning, I want to dare you. I want to challenge you. I want to inspire you. Choose this day whom you're going to serve. Who cares what's going on? It is not the end of the world. Pick yourself up and let's move forward in the name of Jesus. So God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your anointing in this room. I thank you for your power. God, I pray that a spirit of encouragement would begin to rise up in our souls. God, I know that there are difficult things that each and every one of us are facing. But God, this morning I choose. I choose this day that I'm going to serve you with my whole heart, with my whole mind, with all of my strength. I will choose to live for you today. I will glorify your name. I will walk in my calling. I will walk in my purpose. And I will not let the enemy of my soul stop me from being all that you've created me and called me to be. And so I declare that over this school. I declare that over every individual calling. God, I thank you that you are going to be the lifter of our heads this morning. In Jesus' name, and somebody shouted, amen. Amen. What a privilege I have to share God's word with the most incredible people on the face of this planet. You are amazing, and I love you. Jesus loves you, and I have an assignment today to encourage your heart and lift your spirit. This morning, I'm speaking for God, not about him. I'm speaking for God, not about him. So I want to encourage you, if you have something to write with, write notes this morning because if you use these tools, it will cause you to have longevity in your ministry. 
If you hold on to the principles that I'm going to share this morning, it will save you from quitting too soon and giving up too early. And I promise you it will be worth taking some notes. I've come this morning to say God is still on the throne of heaven. Amen. The earth is still his footstool. That is what God's word says. No matter what you're facing right now, he still is sovereign. He has your life and my life in the palm of his hand. He has us. He's got us. He is not surprised what we're facing. Nothing that we're currently facing has caught him off guard. He's not insecure about your calling or calling you to lead. He's not insecure about what he's planted in you and called you to do. Amen. I feel the need to encourage CLC Columbus Leadership Campus, a room full of young men and women that are called by God and anointed by his Holy Spirit to change the world because I have a sense that many of us are going through discouragement. I have a sense that many of us are going through it right now. There's stuff going on that is just wearing you down. Can I get a witness? And after some life experience and after many years in ministry under my belt, I've come to the realization that our most discouraging moments will often follow our greatest victories. Our, a lot of times, the most discouraging moments in life come after a win. You, for example, you get to make $600 in five days. That is a win in my book. Praise the Lord. You get to go to one of the most anticipated, celebrated, highly attended events in America for free, technically. You get paid to go. And as soon as you get home, whew, you are discouraged. Can I get a witness to the 15 that were there? Tired, hard work. Man, the, when the paycheck comes, it's going to be sweet. But, but right now, in the in-between time, that money is not in the bank account. So it's like, can I get some help? Jesus, I'm tired. I had an experience where God sent me to Puerto Rico. And uh, it was an incredible trip. Miss Ashley is actually in the room. She was on that trip. Guys, it was one of the most incredible missions experiences that I've ever experienced. If, if it hadn't been... The fact that my wife wasn't with me, it would definitely be the number one trip I've ever taken in my life. The power of God moved in Puerto Rico. It was so awesome. The people were so incredible. I shot iguanas. It was, it was unreal. Yeah, it, with pellet guns. It was crazy. Um, we, we went all over the country of Puerto Rico ministering. The presence of God was so heavy. God led me to, to lead the group with excellence. Nothing bad happened, at least that I know of. It was one of the best missions experiences, and as soon as I got back, I was called into a meeting expecting to celebrate how awesome the trip was, only to discover the meeting was to discuss about me potentially finding a new place of ministry because I didn't fit. And it was a, a huge victory in my life. I was so excited. Things were finally clicking. God was moving in my ministry, and then I was asked, to maybe think about going somewhere different. And it was heartbreaking. It was, uh, Lord, what are you doing? 
I thought, I thought your anointing was blessing this. And all of a sudden, after a major victory comes a major trial, discouragement. And this morning, we're going to focus on the life of an incredible leader. His name is David. He was a man after God's own heart. And after David kills Goliath, he has immediate success as a military leader. And Saul, his leader and king, immediately wants to kill him. After one of the most publicly celebrated victories of all of Israel, the very next thing that happens in Scripture is Saul is mad and wants to destroy his life. More, more close hitting to home and I want to say this with all sensitivity today there is going to be a funeral and this principle plays out in our hometown because when you're given an opportunity to preach and then something tragic beyond your control unfolds and rocks the community that you're in I'm here to be a testimony and a witness that when your biggest success has come your hardest trial is coming right after and you need to be prepared for it as a leader. What do you do in the valley? When, when you have a mountaintop experience and then next comes the valley. What do you do when, how do we overcome when we feel challenged at every angle of our lives? What do we do to keep moving towards God when nothing in us feels like it? When nothing in us wants to keep pressing towards the high calling and live according to the high purpose that he's placed in our lives. God, what are you doing in my life right now? The first encouragement I have this morning is this. Discouragement does not disqualify us from our calling, CLC. In fact, it prepares us for it. If you are discouraged this morning, guess what? You're in preparation. It does not disqualify you. It doesn't mean you're messed up. It doesn't mean you are less than. Discouragement doesn't disqualify you. The enemy of your soul would try to lie to you and play those mind games with you that, man, I'm so discouraged. I'm so de I feel defeated right now. How could I lead anyone? I can't even lead myself. And that, I'm here, the, hear the voice of God. I'm not speaking about God. I'm speaking for him. Your discouragement right now does not disqualify you. David was a man after God's own heart. He was publicly anointed and called to be king, to lead at the highest level. But as we will see in David's life, his life was marked by many, many, many discouraging moments. Some of us have already had similar experiences that enable us to relate with David. From the get-go, David has faced the valley of rejection. Man, the word gets out that the prophet Samuel is coming to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king. And, and the public knows. People have heard Samuel's coming. And, and in that circumstance, from the very onset of the anointing and the high calling that God places on David's life, Jesse sends David away. A, a extreme rejection from his own father says, no, you know what? The prophet's coming, but you don't count. Go tend the sheep. Your brothers are about to have an incredible experience. Somebody needs to do the work. Get out of here, David. And so from the very beginning, before he's even anointed 
Before he's even called out, he's experiencing disappointment and rejection. If you're facing rejection this morning, feeling inadequate, if you sense people are counting you out before you even get a chance to show what God can do through you, please hear this truth this morning, CLC. What God sees in you is more important than what others see in you. What God sees in you is more important than what others see in you. Stop caring about the opinions of others and start caring about what God says about you. I was shy. Sometimes I still am, just to be honest. I was quiet, and to be real, sometimes I would prefer to be quiet. I, I was um, timid when God was preparing me in Bible college and training me at Master's Commission. I was timid. I was not the guy who would get up and point my finger and say, thus saith the Lord. I was the guy in the back of the room just saying, Lord Jesus, help me. I don't know what I'm doing here. I was timid. I was shy. And to this day, I am still an introvert. I am not the outgoing extrovert. I am not the cookie cutter combination for a generation changing youth pastor. But what God sees in me is more important than what others see in me. What God has called me to do is more important than the norm. I don't fit the mold, but I fit in God's anointing. My only disclaimer to this, this encouragement that what God sees in you is more important than what others see in you, my only discouragement, or not discouragement, disclaimer, is a balancing statement that God's word gives us. The temptation might be to take this statement and run with it. Well, I don't care what other people think. I know that I've been called by God. I know, God, I hear from God, so forget what you say. My disclaimer is this. Matthew chapter 7 says a good tree can produce, can't produce bad fruit, and likewise, a bad tree can't produce good fruit. Matthew 7.20 says, yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, you can identify people by their actions. God's word is saying we as Christians will be judged by our fruit. And so although you may need to gain some inner confidence of what God's called you to do, he's also going to judge us by our fruit. So we can't just believe it. We've got to live it. Christian leaders are judged by their fruit. So over the next few moments, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to communicate a few of David's most discouraging moments, in my opinion. And the takeaway, I believe, can be powerful if we apply it. If we apply it to our everyday life, David had a lot trying to stop him from walking in his calling and many barriers were trying to prevent him from success. No matter what the discouragement, God established David's leadership and anointed his life. I want you to remember that all throughout these examples. In the end, David won and we're still talking about him today. David was king. In fact, he was the greatest king. And he's still celebrated today. So no matter what difficulty or discouragement we face, God is still capable of enacting our high calling in our lives. The first moment I think we need to highlight is shortly after David beats Goliath. Remember, our most discouraging moments will come from our greatest victories. And David 
picks up five smooth stones, and it's really cool because it's not because he is unsure that he'll miss. He picks up five smooth stones. This is so cool because he knows Goliath has four brothers. So he had an inner confidence to know God had called him to victory, but he was going to take everybody out. It wasn't just going to be Goliath. It was going to be victory royale. It was going to be him being the last one standing. He picked up five stones knowing God was going to give him the victory. Some of you need to to have a knowing in your spirit before you even begin to walk in your purpose. Before you even begin to walk in your calling, you need to have a knowing that if God is for you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you can prosper. He had a knowing that he'd be the last one standing. And so Saul gave David everything he promised for beating Goliath. He he gave him um, finances. He didn't have to pay no taxes no more. He was rich now. It was awesome. He gave men from his army, some of the elite, for David to lead. Saul gave him influence and leadership. And then this happens in 1 Samuel 18. Starting in verse 5, it says, Whatever mission Saul sent him on, David was successful, so successful that Saul gave him a high rank in the army. This pleased all the troops and Saul's officers as well. And when the men were returning home after David had killed the Philistine, the women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, joyful songs with timbrels and lyres. And they danced and they sang, Saul has slain his thousands. David, his tens of thousands. And Saul became very angry. This refrain displeased him greatly. He said, they have credited David with tens of thousands, but me with only thousands. What more can he get but the kingdom itself? And from that time on, Saul kept a close eye on David, and it wasn't to make sure he was doing good. He was waiting for an opportunity to kill him. The close eye was not to make sure he was doing well. The next few verses describe how on multiple occasions Saul tried to pin David to the wall with his spear. After great victory comes great discouragement. Man, Saul, the most powerful man in David's world, wanted David dead. And all David had done was walk in obedience to God. All he had done was obey Jesus. CLC, please recognize this truth. We must realize that our obedience to God's calling will agitate and provoke others without us even intending it to. You walking in your purpose, you walking in your calling, you walking by faith and not by sight is going to tick people off. It's going to make people upset with you. You speaking the truth in love is not always going to be well-received. Sometimes they will shoot the messenger. They will be upset with the mouthpiece of God, not happy that the Lord spoke. And so you need to get that in your spirit to prepare yourself that when this happens to you, you well up on the inside and say, it doesn't matter, I choose this day whom I will serve. I will serve the Lord. 
If you're facing any form of discouragement this morning, you need to realize that walking in your calling and chasing after what God wants for your future will make people around you mad. Being number one puts a target on your back. People want to take you down when you're winning. They want to take your spot. They don't want to celebrate. They want to take you down so that they can take your spot. Saul has slain his thousands. David, tens of thousands. Ah, yeah. David, you're awesome. Saul, you're okay. David's awesome. Think about that. You're the king, and this little boy is taking influence in your kingdom. David didn't write the song, but get this. If he had not been aware, he would have been speared to death. If he had not been aware of this truth, he would have been speared to death. If we are not aware how our obedience will produce attack, it can be threatening to fulfilling our calling. This should warn us, we must be sensitive to our surroundings when navigating through discouraging times. You need to be sensitive to your surroundings, especially, especially when you feel discouraged. You need to be aware. Man, what pops up on your phone? Be aware. Because if you're discouraged, you need to do something about that. Because there will be spears that are trying to come your way. And if you don't protect yourself, if you don't keep a, this is not to be timid or afraid or insecure. This is to protect yourself, protect your calling, and say, you know what? I know the enemy would love to steal, kill, and destroy me. But I know that even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. My God is for me. But we have to be aware of our surroundings. There are things right now that want to take you down, and we need to have our spiritual eyes peeled to see where the attack is coming from. God, give me the spirit of the sons of Issachar to be able to recognize the, the signs of the time. I ask for discernment daily. God, give me discernment. Help me to know what to say, when to speak, when to be silent. God, help me to be aware of who wants to take me out and who's actually for me. The next discouraging moment in David's life took place in 1 Samuel chapter 20. It involves Jonathan, David's best friend. How many of you are grateful for your best friend? Come on, we, can we celebrate our best friend right now? Aren't you so glad that God has placed people in your life? to support you, to walk with you. You don't have to walk on your own. You can walk with one another. As iron sharpens iron, we can sharpen one another. And 1 Samuel 20, 42, it says this, Jonathan said to David, it's so, so awesome, go in peace, for we've sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants forever. We, we are ride or die. For the rest of our lives, I got your back. I love you. And then David left and Jonathan went back to the town. And you're probably asking, why is that so discouraging? That's not, that is encouraging. But I thought, I, I thought we should strive to cultivate meaningful relationships. I think that's important, right? What is hard about this verse is that this would be 
the last time David ever sees his deepest and dearest friend. This would be the last time. They were not sure of it. They didn't understand. They never said goodbye. But Jonathan would die in battle before ever seeing David again. And this was their final interaction. Think about how discouraging that would be. To know that you'd never see your closest companion again. And you never even said goodbye. A discouraging moment. We may not be dying as CLC students in bloody battles. We may not be going to war physically and in danger of physical death necessarily in our culture. But, but hear this, CLC, discouragement comes when the people you think will be with you forever flake out on you. Discouragement comes when you think somebody's going to be there for the long haul and they're not. Discouragement sets in, and, and you want to give up when you think to yourself, man, I thought I would have them in my life forever. They were going to be a source of strength for me, and they're not. That hurts. Man, I served in my youth ministry as a high school student for two years, my junior and senior year, and, and my pastor became my spiritual father. He became my mentor. He is one of the reasons I am the man I am today. And he loved me, he accepted me, he brought me in, he discipled me, he challenged me, he spurred me on. For two years as a student, I served in the ministry. For two years after that, I served as an intern. Um, he was my spiritual father. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be who I am today without him. He gave me influence in the ministry. Our ministry was successful and growing, but I knew God was leading me to train in a Pentecostal environment. Because it was, a, it was one of those progressive Baptist churches where we definitely raised our hands in worship, but ain't nobody speaking in tongues or getting slain in the spirit. That was not the environment we were in. And I knew something more was there. I wanted to develop my Pentecostal heritage. And I knew that I needed to go, even though it hurt, because I wanted to stay with the closest people in my life at that moment. I wanted to get more of God. And I spent four years giving my all. And as soon as I communicated the call to go to Master's Commission, one of the men on the face of this planet that meant the most to me, his voice was the loudest in my life. I said, I need to go. God's calling me to this program. He looked at me and he said, you're going into a dangerous environment surrounding yourself with Pentecostals. And we got in this conversation. It was somewhat uh, very awkward, not somewhat because I wasn't expecting it. I was expecting a simple, Jesus, bless Jonathan as he goes. We love him so much. Give him favor wherever he puts his feet. Instead, my, my pastor and my mentor looked at, at me and he said, if Pentecostal theology is so real, why don't you speak in tongues right now? And it became this stab to my spirit. Someone I thought would be there for me for the rest of my life turned his back because of a theological indifference. Some people will disappoint you, and that will be discouraging. Some people you expect to stay will leave. But you don't have to dig too deep in the life of David to see that God will surround your life with unlikely supporters. God will surround your life 
with unlikely supporters. If, if someone you love and trust leaves, if someone you love and trust abandons you, guess what? Someone new is on the way. You may not recognize it, you may not see it happening, but God is preparing them in advance to lift you up and to support you. The challenge is when you're in the middle of your valley, we must be aware of who God has placed in our lives and not take them for granted. You can't take one another for granted. It may not be who you expect, but God put them there for a reason. If you're discouraged this morning, I want to challenge you to look around you right now. Look at the people to your left and to your right. Look behind you and in front of you. These people can and should be your best supporters. God has strategically placed them in your life, whether you recognize it or not. They are the, the unsung heroes of your future in ministry. They will love you 10 years from now. They will pick up the phone 10 years from now when you want to give up and give in. And they will say, no, I saw how God called you in those four years at CLC. Don't give up now. I'll pray for you. I'll support you. They can give you what you need to become all that God has called you to become if you will but have a responsibility for one another. Man, this world around us is cliquish. You help me, I'll help you. That's not how the kingdom of God works. We serve one another. Jesus served the very man who would betray him. Embraced him. Let him sit under his discipleship, knowing good and well what he would do. Who cares if you know that they will fail you? Love them like Jesus. Support one another like Jesus. The next example might not be so obvious, but I believe it's significant. The context is very important. David was on the run from Saul. He goes to a temple and literally lies to some priests at the temple. He says, he communicates to the temple priest that he's on mission for the king and orders them to allow him and his men to eat the consecrated food because he's hungry. They've got nothing. They're on the run for their lives. And he lies to the priest in church. And he has nowhere to go. And, and he knows God, Saul is getting close to, to catching him and his men. And he decides to try and get protection from some of his worst enemies, after he gets food from the priest, he goes into Gath, and they take him captive, and they put him in a cell, and they realize who he is, and David was so afraid that in 1 Samuel 21, starting in verse 13, it says this, David pretended to be insane in their presence. This is weird. He got so discouraged and so downhearted that he pretended to be insane. While he was in their hands, he acted like a madman, making marks on the door. He's like scratching. Let me out of here. It's I'm not crazy, so I don't know how to act crazy. But David was acting and pretending to be crazy. He was letting saliva run down his beard. He, it's, it's awkward. It's messed up. And the king said to his servants, look at this man. He's insane. Why did you bring him to me? 
Am I so short of madmen in my kingdom that you bring this fellow to carry on like this in front of me? Must this man come to my house? And long story short, the king, instead of continuing to hold David captive, he, he kicks him out. It's like, you crazy. Get out of my kingdom. Go back to where you came, crazy man. And this, this is what discouragement does. This is what, if you allow discouragement to hold on to your life for too long, it leads us to do things we did not think we were capable of doing. Discouragement can cause us to come unglued. It tempts us to stoop to lows we never thought we would give in to. David seemed to crack mentally at this point, but guys, the Spirit of God wants to encourage someone's heart this morning. Even when we have moments when we come unglued, God still desires to fulfill His purpose in us. Even when you come unglued, God still has your future in mind. Even when you fail, even when you think that you've done the worst you could ever do, and now God doesn't want you, that is false. Maybe you've come unglued, some form of conviction that you've held for so long has slipped and you've let your standards down. You feel crazy. In some ways, you might even look crazy to others. My Bible says in Romans eleven twenty nine, 29, the gifts and God's calling are irrevocable. Get that in your spirit if you feel like you're coming unglued. God's high calling on your life is never going to be revoked. He still wants to use you no matter how crazy you may feel. This was a low point in David's life, but he still became king. He still became king and walked in his calling. He got low, but God elevated him still. Philippians 1.6 says to be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Somebody should be excited about that. He started something in you he's not going to finish without you crossing the finish line. You may stop, you may fall short of the glory of God, but guess what? The blood of Jesus is enough. To wash away every inconsistency, every fault, every failure. Every time you come unglued, God has what it takes to put you where he wanted you in the first place. Though, though the righteous fall seven times, they get back up again. David made it to the kingdom. He still became king, and even after running to the enemy and coming unglued, so can you in Jesus' name. So can you. Next is 1 Samuel 22, verse 2. David left his prison cell. He stopped acting crazy. He pulled it together, and then he ran to a cave. And once the king's, once he, he was equipped to lead the king's finest men, and now this is who followed him. 1 Samuel 22, verse 2, it says, All those who were in distress, everyone who was in debt or discontented, gathered around him, and he became their commander. You ever feel like the only people that start to surround you are negative people? The only people that seem to be coming your way have a perspective that is warped, twisted. Man, these people are Debbie Downers. Why are you surrounded by these types of people? This is exactly who God had placed in David's life. There were about 400 of them. 
David did not have much to work with, but guys, these guys were broke, angry, disgruntled, people who were on the run, people who had no no options, no resources, and despite all this, David still led them. I won't dwell on this long, but if we do our best with what God gives us, it will bring us one step closer to our high calling. If we do our best with what God gives us in the moment, it'll bring us one step closer. Do your best with what you've got, even if what you've got doesn't seem like much. Some of us are discouraged because things are not happening fast enough for you. Can I challenge you? Do not despise small beginnings. Don't despise it. My first job at the church was awkward. I literally was given a position at the church that never existed, and they gave me an office, which was literally this skinny nook. It was it wasn't an office space. It was a nook that was literally a kitchen that had an industrial-grade coffee maker in it. They gave me the break room, y'all. I, three times a day, at least, people would walk in, start making coffee, and take their break in the middle of my office. That's, that's my beginning in ministry. That was what I was given. But guess what? I did the absolute best with what I was given. And God has given me so much more because I did not despise small beginnings. I was faithful in the little, and so he could trust me with more. Guys, if you will be trustworthy in the little things, God will see you as trustworthy to lead big things. Your GPA may seem like a small thing, but it will make or break how big of a kingdom difference you will make. Don't despise small beginnings. I want to invite the band to come. As I close, I close with this one last example from David's life. Once again, we find David running, but this time he's running to the prophet, Samuel. The guy that anointed him to be king, he runs to. And it's 1 Samuel chapter 19, verse 18, it says, When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. He told the prophet what was going on. And then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. And word came to Saul, David is in Naoth and at Ramah. So he went to capture, he sent, Saul sent men to capture David. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, it says the spirit of God came on Saul's men. They came in looking to kill David. And the presence of God fell so powerfully that they all began to prophesy themselves. The Spirit of God came on Saul's men. Saul was told about it, and he sent more men. And once again, the power of God fell when they came, and they prophesied too. Saul sent men a third time, and they also were impacted by the presence of God and prophesied. And finally, Saul himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern and asked, where is Samuel and David? Over at Naoth and Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even on Saul. And he walked along prophesying until he came to where they were. Three times the presence of God protected David from Saul's men. Saul sent one group 
after another in the power of God fell. Saul sent a second group in the power of God fell. Saul sent a third group. Saul sent himself in the power of God fell to the point where he was stripped of his garments and lay flat in the presence of God. Because the power of God was so thick. And I close with this. I want to invite you to stand to your feet. What's the point? The point is this. There is absolutely no better place to run than into the presence of God when you're discouraged. There's absolutely no better place than to run to the presence of God. The Bible says God is a strong tower and a defense. The righteous can run to him and be safe. So this morning, I feel like God's word has probably touched on a lot of different discouragements. I want to challenge you if you're discouraged in any shape, form, or fashion. That is a manipulative tool of the enemy to try to put a stop to your walk, to put a stop to your calling. And the best place, the best thing for you to do, the most powerful position you can place yourself in is in the power and the presence of God. Because when we're in the presence of God, nothing can stop.